Let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're grateful. We'd ask that you would firm us up in what we think and understand of you. In your son's name, amen. Psalm 1, um, you know, you get done with Colossians, went through Colossians, an informal ad hoc sermon series. Then he sort of said, what do I do now? I was going to go to Matthew. Somebody had, I don't know if it was Greg, or somebody had recommended the last chapter of Matthew. Or and I like going to the Psalms. Psalms are sort of those lozenge-sized, refreshing sets of thoughts. It's been a while since I've been in Psalm 1, so I was looking at it and Another passage sprung to mind, and of course that's the Jeremiah 17 passage underneath it. And I put those two together years ago, and it's a very natural, you'll see why. But every so often, people ask you, um, how do you go about thinking about the scriptures, or how do you go about getting to the place where your mind functions the way it ought to function, pulling up the thoughts that, and you, you've been to churches where the band should not have been in the pulpit, he's pulling up thoughts that aren't in the text, you know, just something popular or just something he felt good about, uh, and nobody seems to notice anything other than his, his, his heart is dear. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I pretty regularly think about things like, how do you know truth? How do you know, how do you structure your own life? And Psalm 1 is this basic encouragement um, that addresses that, uh, addresses that uh, procedure. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We're looking for the blessing, basically. We're looking for what... And there's so many, there's so many accretions to the Christian religion that you wonder... Am I going to church or Bible study or what is is the blessing this all is all about? Am I walking in a certain way? How do I know to get this right? What theology do I pick up? What religious devotion do I express? What's my piety? How's that supposed to look? And this starts to give you some places to put thumbtacks into the bulletin board and say, okay, not here, not here, not here, but here. You have to decide what is it you are trying to reach because um, the other things that you're not supposed to be walking in, standing in, sitting in, are serving a different end. They're going to give you Things that appeal to you, yes, like status. 
um, how to become popular, how to make friends and influence people. The world is filled with answers. I was talking to my daughter who was up last week, uh, one of her keyboard guy, nice guy, Alex Milstead. Lost individual, dis disrupted life growing up. She had mentioned, gave him some Christian things, was trying to reach that, but he became a Buddhist. And I was telling my daughter, I said, you know, really probably a long-term, a, a benefit. Not that Buddhism will lead him to Christ, and not that he will go to heaven if he's a Buddhist. But he will have, a, and we will all have a much better existence because Buddhism is, is at least an order compared to chaos. Just like somebody who is a law-abiding citizen. They're not a Buddhist, they're not a Hindu, they're not a Christian. You're just grateful that they're a law-abiding citizen. But they're serving other things. So the service of other things is part of the problem. And even if I believe that these subject matters are the important things, health, you know, you're going to spot your own temptation. Men will be, you know, it's responsibility and whether or not I, my ambitions are met. Well, okay, it's not a problem with you concerned about your responsibilities, but if you start listening to the counsel of the wicked to get at it, the way of sinners, the seat of scoffers, um, perhaps it's too much of a draw. You should be wanting the blessing of God and your delight should be in the law of the Lord. What, are the wicked, what does the world want you to care about? And if you care about something so much that the world is ready with advice, what do I do about X? The Bible's got nothing on vaccines. Zero. Only people you can go ask is some hippie online and the Lord knows what's going to happen or somebody in a lab coat and if you a lab coat, you know, you, you got to trust him. And so if I'm worried about health and the Bible doesn't tell me what to think about vaccines, I'm going to go to the world. But the opposition to this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Walks not. Stands not. Sits not. But where does he sit? Where does he go? What does his... His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, here's the basic problem. People don't know when we say the law of the Lord, obviously for David, you're dealing with the law of Moses, if he's narrowly expressing it, broadly expressing it, all that had been written. But remember, he's writing scripture, things that are called the law by the New Testament times, as includes all the Old Testament. But, you know, at least the Pentateuch, the law of Moses, 400 years prior to David, 
says this this law is what he delights in and meditates on and 400 years is ample time for things to go sideways and they had done I mean you looked at the time of the judges and you had every man did what was right in his own eyes you had things that were forgotten as law things that were not even considered you read the law of Moses and you think the society ran that way no, that was the description of what the oughtness was, not the isness. And David wanted, coming up out of the judgeship, you, when you think of Boaz and Ruth, and they, their son Obed, his son Jesse, and his son David. So that whole family, you have a nice little romance story of this family developing during the judgeship. the kingship of Saul and then into David's. When your delight is in the law of the Lord, it's because it's the Lord. I don't want you to, not because it's the law. Some people love law. There are certain kinds of people who love, you know, I have two lawyers in the family and uh, that's enough. Manisha's nice. But uh, some people, my wife's initials are L-A-W. So it, the, the shortest distance between two points is a rule. We know that. You know, that's, it's, uh, um, that's why they call them rulers when you draw the line between them. It's not that it's law, it's that it's the Lord. The blessing... is on his law. So that when the Lord says, I noticed it in the passage that Paul read this morning, the commandments and ordinances. And in Ephesians it said, God has abolished the law with his commandments and ordinances. Because our God, who made the commandments and ordinances and ran Israel that way and was a blessing to David as he looked at it, because it was his God, you as believers are being told, no, that's not the way. But if you get confused and say, it's the law I follow, the law I seek, oh, you can get one of those at any you know, General Baptist Church. Good, good group of laws, good group of rules of living. If you just need a law, the Buddhist thing can be a, you know, a way for you. You want the Lord. You want this God. When this God says, not that anymore, but grace through the death of Jesus Christ, that's what's going to be your delight. That's what's going to be your blessing. But whatever the case, this Lordness, that's where I'm standing. Do I stand with the Lord and his law or his word? Or do I stand with the world, with walk with the world the way the world thinks? And you see this in the church an awful lot today. You see an awful lot of churches. It's been the case, well, since the beginning, that popular things, advanced things, people who liked becoming advanced in the church decided they were going to say, say worldly platonic things back when those things mattered. Liberalism back when that was a thing. 
Now it's all diversity and LGBTQ, LNMOP uh, awareness. And those of us who don't like the way the modern is going, because that's where the front line usually is, worldliness, chicks with pink hair, you know, piercings, whatever. So what do we do? Just like, just like the society does, we pick an earlier time of worldliness and imitate that. Let's pick the worldly people for the 400s. Let's, let's listen to Martin Luther, John Calvin, Melanchthon, Zwingli. Pick a, pick a period, you know, where you think the world was a better place. And if Billy Graham said it, C.S. Lewis said it. The question is, is it the Lord or is it world? Doesn't matter if it's oldie, olden time things. Um, famous people. We have to know the difference between the Lord and the world. Because it makes you the promise in verse 3 here of Psalm 1. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. All that he does, in all that he does, he prospers. Now, I love that way. It says, walk not, stand not, sit not. Get planted. I mean, just the, just the key word differences. I don't know Hebrew. I don't know what, how different the word is between planted and standing. But planted is suggesting something very clearly different. We have had with the new yard, and you can come over and see it if you come to the Bible study on in July. A lot of bushes put in. So this year, some new ones put in, and a, a poodle cypress. Very odd-looking tree. Um, it had a root ball, you know, this big. And they put it in. They still staked it up with posts, you know, for the next few years. So it will get... It's been planted. Its connection is hooking up with the nature of the moisture and the nutrients in the soil. It's going to get founded, it's going to get nourished that way, and it has met what it naturally wants to be with. It's the, it's, it's the way it ought to be. It's what planting is the, the roots of the thing find the right thing for its nourishment. Now, I know this very well because I did not, they did not do all the work. A few years ago, Leslie and I were feeling our oats, and we bought some nice-looking plants, I think, I don't know, at a store. Uh, Helleborus. That sounds cool. Sounds like, this came from hell. I don't know. We planted them on the south side of the new back porch in the gravel, and they persisted over the next, how many years did we have in there? Three? Three, three years. Every year, they came up looking like, um, who is that director, Nightmare Before Christmas, Tim Burton. They looked like a Tim Burton plant, okay? Named Helleborus, 
and coming up looking like the flowers are green, the leaves are black and, and zombie-like. Just awful. Just why? <laughs> you know, people, you know, losing um, their appetite looking at them. And then we found out that actually Helleborus is a shade plant. And so Leslie, with a lot of initiative, got out there, dug the plants out violently. I mean, it was a, like hit the zombie on the head with a spade. She was, you could hear the roots being cut as she dug down. They'd been in there three years. They had been planted on the sunny side of the street. And Leslie dug them out because she had, did not care for these anymore, but she put them on the shade side of the house. And it was almost like she scooped a little side, dirt aside, threw the plant against the foundation, it fell in the hole sideways, and she left it. <laughs> Having cut all of its roots, I was standing nearby, I could hear the roots being cut. I said, this isn't going to work. It worked. Because they got planted where they were supposed to be planted, and there was little songs of hallelujah coming out of these helleboruses. Um, just, I mean, instant, they, they, didn't even, they didn't even wilt for a day. You know how the plant would go, oh, shock, I've been up. It's like they had died and gone to heaven. I have learned this. Things will get planted where they need to be planted, and you need to be planted, by the word of God. That's the blessing that you have. Somebody was telling Leslie the other day about in their readings of the scriptures how much began to hold together. Just start to the way you think. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. In one case, the tree, streams of living water, streams of water, fruit, leaf doesn't wither, prospering. The wicked are not like this. Remember, you don't stand in their seat, you don't walk in their way, you don't sit in their presence. I was thinking Leslie's band does Take Me to the River. I forget whose version. Not a big fan of the song, but it's that, you, you feel that Refreshment, even in places that are like Southern Californian or, or uh, where you have any kind of water at all, even out in the desert, if there's, a, there's a canal or a stream or something, you have these live oak or whatever you get along bodies of water that the rest of the landscape is you know, a horrid Martian landscape, but by the water it's great. I made a little note to the, because the other lyric was, been through the desert on a horse with no name. That's pretty much, yeah. And I grew, I spent four years down in the desert, and creosote, yucca, you know, there is, there's a big difference between a yucca plant or an ocotillo uh, plant out there, just not even pleasant cactus, you know, not even just like, we're not even a cactus. We're a cactus that sinned against God. That's what an acatillo is. You know, it's just this uh, 
a child's drawing of a cactus and spines on it. That is the chaff that we become. We, we, we become characters um, that don't have real nourishment. So you end up, not like fruit, you dried out wheat in the, in the, in the uh, threshing floor. You're like the chaff in the threshing floor. You're like the stuff that blows away. You're the leavings, not the benefit to anyone. Just dried up unblessed people. And we want to be, at this church, we want to be as much as we can control our lives. Um, we're not the kind of people who say, since the Bible, since the Word of God is the answer, let's create a program, you'll all get a t-shirt, hashtag blessed, and you'll have, you maybe have some check boxes on the back of the t-shirt, every book of the Bible, and then as you finish every... This is a great, I could think these programs up all day long. And you come to church and say, Pastor, I finished Ruth. And you turn around with your t-shirt and I'd get up some kind of pen, check the box off. So now your shirt has all the check marks. You can walk around town in the pride of your own piety and we would have gained nothing. It's not the reading. It's not the law. It's not the act. It's the Lord. Therefore the sinner, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And that's the end of the song. This and the program with the cool t-shirts Tragically, when Christians come up with them, they're not that cool. Um, isn't the path, it doesn't say you will find this blessing in the seat of other people who are pretending to seek the blessing. If someone you're with is a Christian, knows and has sought the Lord, you compare notes. But it's because you have known and sought the Lord, not because they're this company of other people in the same club. It's not the club, it's the Christ. If you're both in the Christ, your conversation in the Christ is a benefit to you both. You get to sit together by the streams of water and be blessed. Now the reason The reason um, I have the Jeremiah passage, it, it's one that my father used for his Roots by the River um, newsletter. But I want you to know that I have a little aside here on the left-hand side uh, about our own pursuit of it. It's a basic equation. You pursue the mind of your God. You don't pursue the mind of your church. You don't pursue the mind of the world. You don't pursue the mind of the cool kids. You pursue the mind of the Lord. But in pursuing the mind of the Lord, you are stepping into a world that has a way of dealing with you in your duplicity. Because we're not to be trusted. We really, we're up to stuff. We don't even know we're up to stuff. 
There are people who think they're really after God because they don't know there's anything more than what they're doing. And they think this is what people who are after God will look like. It's an artifice. It's not actual. And the basic thing you have to know is this is you're going to run into all sorts of things in the words of your God. I, I have the John 4 passage. It's about the, good, the woman at the well. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself, and his sons, and his cattle? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of the water will, this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's where the, that's where the stream, the living water, right? That's where you get planted. But it's the one that Christ gives you. And it's really, if you weren't at the end of 2,000 years of Christian interpretation, you'd be right there with the woman at the well going, What? what water this would be sure handy if I didn't have to come get a drink no no lady you're not understanding me but so much of what the Lord tells us <coughs> is to herd us to get us to where we need to be so that the roots go down in you you have the spring of living water it says the kingdom in Luke it says the kingdom of God is within you you have within you everything you need standing before God because the Holy Spirit has joined your life you have committed your life you've got a brain God, I hope but Jeremiah 17 says in verse 5 when I skipped ahead there was a, a bit before it but I thought we could do without it thus says the Lord cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his arm whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert. This is where I got that yucca plant in the creosote bush. And shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. As you grow in grace, as you grow the knowledge of God, as you plant yourself next to the stream, you're going to develop ideas, understandings, precision. That you're going to hear something from someone smart and they're going to sound stupid. Oh, they're smart enough to get along. They could be allowed to drive, maybe vote for their rulers. But they're analyzing things very poorly. They trust in man. They trust in a, the school of thought that they've been handed. They've turned away from God. It's a parched place wherever they are. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its shoots by the roots by the stream, and he does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That's what the gain is. That's what the blessing is. That no matter where you are, how bad it is, what the down, you know, what if 
What if someone you don't like gets elected president? Currently, that somebody is president for some, and next time around, it could be somebody else. It could be, oh my heavens. And what if they pass all sorts of laws that are just exactly what you don't want to see have happen? And they confiscate your guns. I know. They come and take away your guns. If you were planting, or you were running a garden based on, remember, the world, human success, would be the measure by which your blessing is determined. But your human success is not. The world's success, the world, you being applauded, you being advanced, your stuff making profits in the markets, whatever it is, that's fine for the world, but they're not what you're after for the blessing. If you trust in the Lord, nothing happens the Lord can't handle. I mean, for heaven's sake, he's, he is, he's an omnipotent God. You don't get anxious in the year of drought. Now I want you to be warned that I'm I'm a raw subjectivist. Okay, just I believe in an objective reality. I'm not a postmodernist, but I'm smart enough to know that all you got is your subjectivism. All you got is your own encounter with it. So everything that you think, everything that you acknowledge, everything that you apprehend is your opinion of what you apprehended. That's why it matters so much where your roots are. Because the way you see the world, what you value, do they reach down to the well that is in God, that is God in you? Does it reach down to that? Or does it reach down to whatever the most current, desirable, worldly philosophy is? that you want to grow by because you want to be accepted or you want to be included at the coffee shop. You want to be anxious, here's a drop. Most people are picking their ideas because they're anxious rather than because it's of God and it keeps anxiety from happening. Because the world will lie to you. The world, I mean, that's, it doesn't, they're dumb as a bag of hammers and they're going to lie to cover up. They're going to make claims. Well, I don't care if they're conservative liars or liberal liars. They're going to be making claims that they don't understand. And tragically, the church, falling right along because it tries to be always 10 years behind the world, but, you know, no, honest, we're, we're cool too. We can, our pastor can have a tattoo. This one doesn't, by the way. But it would be a cool one and graphically pleasing. Okay? I want you to know that. Wouldn't be the sinking of the Bismarck or or a small bird that has some scripture reference. None of that nonsense. That's for chicks. They say, we're here in the name of the Lord. And to one degree or another, you get given a package of the world. It may be the world from the 500s A.D., it may be the world from the 1500s A.D. It may be the world from just last year. But the pulpits in the land will get up and they'll say something to try to fit the trend. You're trying to find a God 
who has been forever. He isn't a time frame, he is forever. That is who you're planted by, that is what you have in you. Now, when I say, I'm a subjective objectivist, I believe your subjective state is part of God's objective creation. So you're supposed to have this measure of his world that he designed. The, the oughtness of your subjectivism. The isness is that it's subjective. The oughtness is he wants you to get something particular out of it. Yes, that's pretty. No, that's not. But the problem is, not only is the world duplicitous and the church a fool. Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who could understand it? You've got to. You, if you want the blessing, if you want to be planted, you got to look, your eyes got to narrow as you look at the world. Then you look at the church and they get even narrower still. And it's not like, oh, isn't it great to just be you? Find your own bliss? Nah. You got to look at yourself and go, oh, man, I'm up to no good. I am probably... Never justify something you didn't think was justifiable. If anyone else had done it, you would not have forgiven them ever. But not only are you forgiven, you are not even guilty. Because you're corrupt. No, I don't think that about the Christian nature. I don't think you're metaphysically corrupt. But we're the nature of self, the nature of self is the ground of all sin. So the way where you sin when you sin is because you haven't perhaps been suspicious enough of what the essential self would be. I was reading, uh, I was reading the, uh, uh, this is, this is uh, a book that I read about in C.S. Lewis and so I ordered it, surprised to get a 1800s hardback copy. And uh, it's the Theologia Germanica and uh, anonymous 1350s um, devotional. Loopy, as you'd expect, 1350, Black Plague. Um, Christianity in the middle of Catholicism. But he said some good things, if it was a he. He said some good things, and he tidied up all sin with the phrase, and he kept repeating this phrase, the self, I, me, mine. He just kept saying that. I said, this is brilliant. The self, I, me, mine. That's all, all the bad we're up to. So don't just look at the world and go, yes, they're trying to get me drunk. You know, you don't just say, oh, they're trying to get me to watch R-rated movies. Uh, the world, whatever the world's up to, yeah. Or the church, you could sometimes be embarrassed, so embarrassed to go to church. And you, you say, oh, man, how come they're so, when they try to be so in and they're so out. Some people actually believe it. Some people like that level of inness. But even you yourself, the I, me, mine, the what you're up to, is it, it's temptation in theological development in, in, in thinking about Christianity, is does the Christianity really actually reflect what everybody would have thought you were like anyway? In other words, is your philosophy matching you? Is your theology matching you? 
You could be up to no good. You could be right, but you could be up to no good. Be aware that you're desperately deceitful. And it's hard to understand your involvement in it. As blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Now, I thought of some things where we wouldn't accept somebody else picking it. We won't even, you know, it used to be parents would pick the brides for their children. Uh, everybody goes, oh, I can't imagine such a thing. Well, sometimes uh, Leslie was a little concerned when she got me my motorcycle. Yes, John, Leslie bought me a motorcycle for Father's Day. Yes, John, it's a Triumph. Yes, John, it's a Bonneville SE. What? I'm sorry. My wife, she's a good woman. Um, but 2009, 8,000 miles. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so she is a woman blessed. But she also knew that a woman shouldn't buy her husband a motorcycle. She did, but not surprising. Look, honey, it's a Honda. And I would kill myself and I would take care of it. You don't even want people picking books you read, right? I love books. People know that I love books. You'd think people would buy me books for my birthday or Christmas or whatever. Nope. They know better. People can't decide which book. Why would they decide which God you serve? You've got to take care of this. You've got to go, I've got to plant myself because it's all about where I'm going with my life because it's everything I have in my life is my subjective encounter with all of life. The world's up to no good. Even the church is up to no good in many cases. You are up to no good in many cases. I've got to find that river. I've got to find the place to be planted. I, the Lord, search the mind and try the heart to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You basically have, when you make a judgment, you're looking at, how do I get around all these lies? How do I find the stream of living water? Christ claims to be that stream. God in the Old Testament claims to be that strength. How do I find it? How do I know? The revelation of God. God has revealed himself. That's what this is for. Okay? It's not war and peace. It's a Bible. Do you believe it is the word of God? Your own reason. Because reason can't be doubted without affirming it. Inferential truth is truth bearing, or nothing is true. And the reality that that revelation and that reason brought you to, what did it provide you with? That's the judgment here, to give every man according to his ways. You experience Jesus Christ some way or, or not. You have the life. I was meditating, Leslie and I were talking about this, and I was jotting down some thoughts earlier this week about, about people in the ministry who ought not be. And 
how quickly, you've heard me say before, but how quickly people think when they get the right idea that the first thing that they should do, if they have the right idea, is convince others of the right idea. People think that the gospel, because it saves souls, should be the first thing I think of doing with it, is evangelizing with it. No. The right ideas, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the first thing it's supposed to do is change you. Change your experience in this world. You've passed from death to life. You've got righteousness right there on your lap because of the gospel. And people don't think about rejoicing and living and being planted in the gospel. Being if your doctrines are true, they're supposed to make you make more like the Lord Jesus. And if you're planted there, you'll be more, made more like the Lord Jesus. That's its first responsibility, is to change you. And once you are changed, the power of what you preach is understood. God will judge you for what it has done in your life. He will judge you for your doings, the fruit of your doings, according to your ways. And you can see the fruit of your own ways. The reason you ask the question, what must I do to live the Christian life and understand the life? What must I do to understand the life? You can see the flaws in your thinking. You understand why things are not as pleasant the aroma of Jesus Christ around the household. It's not rocket science, but you have seen your fruit, and God's going to see it real accurately at some point. We do want to be planted by the Word of God. Some, some Graham was saying last night, we were with him, and uh, saying, uh, he was listening to somebody's talk about, if you look for something, you'll find it. You really will. A pretty biblical notion. If you really want this blessing, this is where it is. The word of God. Watching out for certain things. Don't let these things overtake you. Because it all matters how you will be judged. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word, for the reason you have given man, for the changes in life that we can encounter, we can practice, we can bless others with, we'd ask that we would be putting our roots down into what you are in our lives, your Son's gift, your Holy Spirit's presence, that we would drink deep and be blessed and bless others. In your Son's name, amen.